Welcome to the A to Z Sports powered by the BetMGM app. I'm Austin Stanley. He is Zach Bingham. Make sure you follow us all over social media as we are Nashville's on-demand sports talk network and we go live every weekday morning at 8 central time on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Make sure you uh, see the link to the show out on our Twitter timeline, also on our Instagram. Follow us on TikTok as well. Uh, but we got to thank our sponsors because they make it happen for us and they make it work for you guys. And that is Wilson County Hyundai. Uh, if you're making them a part of your new car buying process by going to see them in Lebanon or at wilsoncountyhyundai.com, the Bone and Joint Institute, boneandjointtn.org, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care, plus Farm Bureau Helplines get better with Farm Bureau Helplines, better coverage, rates, and service at fbhp.com slash atoz. And Hughes and Coleman Injury Lawyers, the official injury lawyers of the Tennessee Titans. If you've been injured in a car wreck, call them today, 800-800-4600. So, Zach, uh, I guess you deserve a little bit of a golf clap here um, because you were higher on the Jags than I were. Uh, the Jags are currently 2-1 and one atop the AFC South after a beatdown of the banged-up, injured L.A. Chargers on Sunday. So two and one uh, Jags off to a hot start. So golf clap uh, to you. I will let you uh, revel in that. Well, I, you know, I thought this last year, but urban Meyer screwed it up. I, I liked, you know, I like Trevor Lawrence. I think he's just, he needed developing. And one of the things that Trevor Lawrence has struggled with, uh, and I watch all the Jags games, like uh, as I've stated, I, I sit here and I watch all, every single game. I'm not a red zone Fiend. I've got actually red zone on one of the screens, but I'm watching these games and what I saw last year. And this is what Urban Meyer struggled to do for his small tenure with Jacksonville that Doug Peterson, I felt like could do with, with Lawrence and some of the new pieces is Lawrence is not very good in the pocket, making quick decisions, going through read one, two, three. That's something that Ryan Tannehill is very good at. Ryan Tannehill you know, to keep defenses on their toes, Ryan Tannehill will roll you out, will use his athleticism, will will use naked bootlegs, but also will stand in the pocket and make the throw downfield, get hit in the face, and get the first down and move the change. Trevor Lawrence is still developing in that. But you know who's come to play? A guy, again, I think you criticize Christian Kirk quite a bit. Christian Kirk has stepped up. And no, he, I, I don't. He's criticize. worth the money. Let me he's just make this clear. Money. I don't criticize Christian Kirk for taking the contract that he got from the Jags. That he should absolutely take all the money you possibly get. I criticize the Jags for giving Christian Kirk that money. That's that's what I criticize. Well, so, Christian just, Kirk has been worth that money, <laughs> just I, like AJ Brown has been worth his money in Philadelphia. I, look, just like Debo Samuel has been worth his money in San Francisco. Christian Kirk has been worth his money. Again, it's just through three games, but he's, right. he's kind of changed the dynamic of what the offense is. And Doug Peterson has made up some big plays to get Lawrence out in space, making decisions. Lawrence throws better on the run than he does in the pocket. And Kirk is better coming across the field than I think other routes that he that I've yeah, seen. He's him a run. fast guy, right? So you don't run like intricate like routes with start and stops and cuts. You just run fluid crossing routes with Kirk, and that's where he wins. And the Jags, again, it's three games. I'm not sitting certain saying that the Jags are gonna win the AFC South, that they're gonna push for an AFC championship like they they pushed for uh in 2017, but I 
I did see the improvement of what the restructuring of Jacksonville and then the cold hard cash that they spent because they had it, right? Just like the Colts had a lot of salary cap going into this offseason, the Jags did too. The Jags spent it where they Zay Jones was another guy uh, who's got to kind of catch his footing and develop within their offense. But Austin, the thing that has separated the Jacksonville Jaguars is defense, is defensively. They have been opportunistic. They've gotten after the quarterback. That's, I think, that's what got them to the AFC Championship years ago against the Patriots. It was the Calais Campbells, the Jalen Ramseys of the world. Like, though, the, the defense separated them. And so they're building something. They're in year two of building it. But I like what De- Doug Peterson has been. And I'm not, I'm not as surprised as maybe the world is at their two-in-one start. All right. So the ESPN.com power rankings came out after week three yesterday. And the Jags made a crazy jump. They went from 24th, Zach, after week two when they beat the Colts uh, to 13th. So they're right there on the cusp of where playoff teams uh, are when it comes to power rankings. So 13th in the NFL power rankings, according to ESPN.com. Here's what Michael DiRocco for uh, the Jags reporter wrote about it. Trevor Lawrence looks like a number one overall pick. After a rough start in the opener against Washington, he has posted the second and the third highest rated games of his career in routes of the Colts and the Chargers. Trevor Lawrence is sixth in the NFL in total QBR and seventh in completion percentage. Most importantly, he's not turning the ball over. He just has one pick, and he's flourished under new head coach Doug Peterson after a lost season with Urban Meyer. And you know they also have a better defense, like you said, which was not mentioned in that. Uh, but yeah, they've posted you know, back-to-back blowouts uh, as underdogs to the Colts and to the Chargers. Now, they lost to Washington, who sucks. Washington's not that good of a football team, right? And if I scroll down here, uh, where do I find uh, the new Washington Commanders? You got to keep scrolling, scrolling, scrolling to 26th overall in the power rankings. Their only win is week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I think the biggest thing for the Jags is the fact they've also only allowed Trevor Lawrence to get sacked two times in three games, right? And the one good thing Washington has is all their top picks on the defensive front. The Colts have a good defensive front on paper. The Chargers have a good defensive front on paper, yet uh, Trevor Lawrence only sacked two times. So uh, what's your thoughts on the Jags being 13th? And I'll just go ahead and run through it. The rest of the AFC South, the Jags are 13th. The Titans are 18th after moving up four spots from 22 last week. So 18th now for the Titans. The Colts are at 20 after their win over the Chiefs. And then the Texans are dead last at 32. So 13, 18, 20, and 32 for the AFC South. What's your reaction on on the overall power ranking structure there? Well, right now where it sits in the season, that's correct, right? Jacksonville is 2-1. and They have... You know, they've won the most games in the AFC South so far. And then there's a separation between, and I lumped the Colts and the Titans together, and coincidentally, they play in Indy on Sunday, right? So, like, that's the best part. We're going to find out who separates those two teams, and we'll talk more about that throughout the course of today and the next couple of days leading up to Sunday. Jacksonville, the reason why they are good, and it, it just goes straight to the stats. 
in total team offense, they're sixth. In total team defense, they're seventh. They're top 10. That's what they've shown. And those are total yards, right? Total yards given up by the defense and total yards gained by their respected offense. Jacksonville should be there. I think the Titans and the Colts are on very similar paths where they started out with rocky starts. The Colts should have never tied the Texans to open the season. No, they, they should have lost to the Texans. Yeah, well, yes, and well, <laughs> or tied. they actually should have beaten the Texans at no. one point in that game in overtime. I don't know if you watched that well, game. Yeah, but, okay, all right. But my point is they were down 20 to nothing and came back to force overtime. The Colts were lucky to force overtime with the Texans giving up that 20 to nothing lead. So that's yeah, what I'm talking about. They, I'm they, talking pre-overtime, Zach. I'm talking pre-overtime. The Colts I'm talking game. I understand. But, but that's what I'm saying is that the Colts had an opportunity to win that game. And the better team usually wins those games. Like, usually the cream rises to the top. The Colts are better than Texans. Last week was massive for both of those teams. The Titans were in desperation mode of going to 0-3. They had to come in and beat the Raiders 24-10 to at half. And we all know that their second half is not what it needed to be. They escaped but won that game against the Las Vegas Raiders. And it's the same thing of what the Colts were. The Colts fought tooth and nail to get the lead at the end of the game. But there was like, I believe, 26 seconds left at the end of the game where the Chiefs is plenty of time for Patrick Mahomes to come tie it up. The Chiefs, two plays, boom, they're past midfield. And that third play in that final drive to go attempt a game-tying field goal gets tipped, pick, game over, right? So like two plays defensively for the Titans and the Colts to seal a win, that's what they needed to carry them over. But the separator of those two teams are going to be this week on Sunday in Indy to see who wants it more, who's better prepared, and who has learned more from the first three weeks of the season. That's what will kind of separate them. And then the Jags, the Jags are kind of like, okay, we've gotten off to a good start. Can they maintain? Notoriously, the Jags don't maintain very well. Yeah, A to Z Sports here live on this Wednesday. Let's go ahead and ask our question to get the chat more involved. I do see we have some uh, visitors in the chat from uh, Jacksonville fans have found uh, the show this morning on YouTube, at least. So that's interesting. Uh, So we'll see what they have to say and what everybody has to say because the Titans are the two-time defending AFC uh, South champions. So who is the bigger threat to the Titans for the AFC South? Is it the Colts or is it the Jags? Uh, But first, let me tell everybody about our great friends and our new sponsors, Hughes and Coleman. They are the official injury lawyers of the Tennessee Titans. And if you've been injured in a car wreck, call Hughes and Coleman for a free case consultation. That's 800 800 4600. That's their phone number, 800-800-4600. You get a free case consultation and they will go to bat for you and battle against the insurance company to make sure you get every dollar that you absolutely deserve when you've been hurt and injured in a car wreck. Uh, So check them out. They've recovered over $1 billion for their clients in the state of Tennessee and in Kentucky. So go check them out. Once again, if you've been injured in a car wreck, 800-800-4600. 4600 Hughes and Coleman Injury Lawyers Principal Office in Nashville, Tennessee. 
A to Z Sports. We're powered by BetMGM. You can download the app today. They're the king of the sports book. You use the promo code ATOZ Sports, all one word, risk free bet up to $1,000 for new users. So then you're in the state of Tennessee, download the app in your app store, whether you're Apple or Android. Go download BetMGM. Then when you sign up, there's a promo code tab and just punch in A-T-O-Z-S-P-O-R-T-S, all one word, and then you get a risk-free bet up to $1,000 on your first bet for new users. They're the king of the sports book. They are BetMGM. All right, so the question here, and Zach, I'll send you to the chat. The Titans are the two-time defending AFC South champion. Who is the bigger threat to the Titans in the AFC South? Is it the Colts or is it the Jags? What's everybody saying here? Steven says the Jags, it ain't the Colts from uh, ADE. Uh, we've got Jaguar emojis from Shy 067. Um, the Jaguars from uh, Lou Man, who's speaking a different type of English. Uh, let's see. Uh, David says Jags. Billy says Colts. Rooney says Colts themselves from Mark. So he's gone away. We didn't necessarily put complete stipulations oh, on this. Come on, Mark. So- so Mark question. Is, is throwing a curveball in there. Uh, we've got Jags. Nate says Colts. Uh, Jags from Eric. Noah says Colts. Daniel says Colts. Grim Jim's going with Mark with the Titans themselves. Uh, it's the Jags from Alonzo. Jason, the Titans are the biggest threat to the Titans. So why we've got three okay, different okay, options? We got to this. stop no, no, this. No, no, no. Hey, hey, we. They're, no, they're, it's not the question. That's in the comments. No, it's not the question, though. It, and so I'm trying to stop the nonsense of people answering without a, an option we gave them. We clearly gave the, the 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 commenters two options. Who's a bigger threat to the Titans in the AFC South, the Colts or the Jags? I don't want to hear any more about Todd Downing or the, themselves or turnovers or Ryan Tannehill. We're not, that's not what we're here for. We're here to have a conversation about the Colts versus the Jags. We've talked all week long about the Titans so far. We'll look against the Titans and the Colts moving forward. But we gave you two answers. Use one of the two answers. That's the question we were asking. Stop being stubborn. What's your answer? My answer right now, honestly, I think I have to go with the Jags. Now, (laughs) that wasn't real confident in there. (laughs) Hold on. on. But the Colts did just have a very impressive win over the Chiefs. And I think there's – some things that the Colts did to the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes on offense that could be used as a blueprint on how to handle the Chiefs offense without Tyree Kill moving forward. And, and we'll talk about that uh, later on, but you know, throughout the year, because the Titans play the Chiefs on Sunday night. But I think why I feel like the Colts will struggle and why they are not the bigger threat to the Titans as of right now is because of their offensive line and just their overall offensive issues. Like, you know, we download pictures of Matt Ryan to use for graphics and all this stuff. I feel like almost every picture of Matt Ryan uh, on our photo database is him evading some type of pressure from an opponent. Like rarely are there clean pictures of Matt Ryan standing in the pocket with a football. There's usually some defender coming around the corner or making a hit or him trying to make some uh, move on the guy. And he's kind of a statue. So that's hard for him to do, but their offensive line is bad. And I think Matt Ryan is truly seeing deja vu in Indianapolis from what he's been doing 
in Atlanta for the last several years of his career since the Super Bowl run. So the Colts offensive line and their lack of pass protection uh, for Matt Ryan makes me put them below the Jags because the Jags O-line's playing well. I mentioned that. Lawrence sacked only twice uh, in the first three games. Only one interception from Trevor Lawrence in those three games as well. They're running the ball and passing the ball very balanced from the Jags offense, which is good. And then their defense has players on it because they've been bad. So they've been drafting talented guys and you're seeing their defense make plays. So that's why I have to right now go with the Jacksonville Jaguars as the bigger threat to the Titans. Yeah. I, I said this at the beginning of the season, it's the Jags. I, I think that they, they are going to improve throughout the course of the season. Now, obviously barring injury, if Trevor Lawrence goes out, that's going to, you know, change that. But if he plays all the games like he played last year, then he's just going to improve. He's on that pace of, and I'm not, this is not a comparison, but the, the improvement of Joe Burrow from year one to year two, you know, that, that's a big time step. And look, he, he was injured in year one, but year two, he took that, that confidence leap. That's what we're starting to see through three games of Trevor Lawrence. Here is my struggle though, Austin, mm-hmm. between the Jags and the Indianapolis Colts, the Indianapolis Colts have the best player. And the best player is Jonathan Taylor. And Jonathan Taylor, who is kind of like Derrick Henry this year, has not really got going. Hasn't had the 127-yard, 164-yard game that separates and and puts a nail in the the coffin. We have not seen that from really either back. Derrick Henry did it more last week. But still, that was kind of a... That was a combination of receiving passes and rushing. I just, you have to respect Jonathan Taylor's ability. And Jonathan Taylor is the X factor to help all of the things of what you just said that are wrong with the Colts. They're bad offensive line. Matt Ryan is fumbling the football at a unbelievable pace, right? Like he's, he's getting pressured. He's not doing well with those pressures. He struggled. He didn't score a single point against the Jags, right? Like, but Jonathan Taylor, like, I think that's kind of a little bit of my fear heading into this week for the Titans is I think this is like your prototypical best player versus best player. Whoever has the best game, that team is going to win. That is Taylor versus Henry. We're going to see that. I can't wait to see that. I'm really excited about that. But I think the threat, and it comes down to threat, I think you got to watch out for week 18, Jacksonville and Tennessee, because they are playing the better team. The Texans, I think that the Colts will right their wrongs. I don't think they're going to lose to the Texans twice. I would be surprised. Yeah. So I think that, and that's, that's honestly, Austin, how I position the Jags when we did our season predictions at the beginning of the season. I position them as a threat. I didn't say that they were going to destroy the AFC South or win the AFC South, but they were a threat to the AFC South. So, Zach, you said Jonathan Taylor's yet to have that big game this season? Yeah. Uh, you watched the Texans game, though, right? The Colts-Texans game in week one. Remember you you said you watched all the games? Yes. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor had 31 carries for 161 yards and a touchdown. Uh, averaging over five yards of carry in that game. So there's in the a one loss. big in a tie because <laughs> you watched it, right? In a, yeah. In a tie. You know, 
It is a tie. I think that. Well, is a I mean, loss so you watched it, it though, right? It is you watched it. I mean, you. That's how they got did. back into the game, but he okay, started so slow. He, again, so Jonathan Taylor has had the big game, and the Colts tied the freaking Texans. Uh, and so I still think, and that's why I struggle. He with was the, the Col- reason they got back into the game, yeah, but you right? Didn't because they were down early. You, you mentioned but about how he has. You literally uh, no, they, they tied. They tied, they tied. <laughs> I, again. They tied. Okay. And that's why I hate tie okay. ties. But well, I but, like again in my mind that is a loss for the Colts. It is a tie. I'm I will relinquish. It is not a loss. I, right. I but again, correct. Jonathan Taylor but, has had the big game that you said that he hasn't had yet. Jonathan Taylor has nearly a hundred yards uh, more this season than Derrick Henry. He's averaging ninety five yards a game. The problem is the the only time Jonathan Taylor did not really do much. Uh, for the Colts is when they lost to the Jags and they got blanked because the Jags got up. And that's what, that was the issue with uh, last season's start with the Colts is because Carson Wentz was so bad and the offense got down early and they started 0-3 and Jonathan Taylor didn't get going until damn near Halloween because they weren't giving him the football. Like go back and watch and look at the numbers from the Titans win over the Colts early in the year. Jonathan Taylor was effective when he got the ball. Frank Reich just wasn't giving him the ball. And so he only got nine carries in that loss against the Jags, but he gained 54 yards. That's six per carry. He had 71 yards rushing in a gutsy win over the Chiefs. And so, you know, overall, like, I I think that the Colts have the lowest scoring offense in the NFL through three weeks. Having a goose egg in one of your first three games will lead to that. Um, especially when you, you know, had 20 points in the two other games. So it's, it's, I just don't believe the Colts offensive line, who by the way, is the highest paid offensive line in the league. I don't think they're any good at pass protecting. And so if you can make the Colts be one dimensional and take away their run, get a lead on them early, then you can take away their best aspect in Jonathan Taylor it's kind of similar to how you go about with the Titans and taking away Derrick Henry. But the Titans offensive line has been much better than the Colts to this point. Yeah, well, and you have to – Matt Ryan is going to be what defines the Colts' success ultimately, right? Like Jonathan Taylor is going to keep them in games and is going to compete – but at the end of football games, as we know, how many how many times was Derrick Henry on the field on the last drive to to go win the game against the New York Football Giants? Zero. Oh, that was a two minute drill with like a minute twenty on the clock to go eighty. That defines yeah. wins and losses, right? So yeah. when the and that's that I've always said this. That's the problem with the Titans' football philosophy is that if the game does not go the way that they need it to go. They're relying on their lesser tier. I don't want to say lower tier, but lesser tier players, which is Ryan Tannehill, Robert Woods, Traylon Burks, Austin Hooper, and Kyle Phillips in their passing game. And they don't get to their bread and butter. And they've won games in overtime. You remember the Texans? Uh, I guess it was the Texans when Luan tore his ACL. That went into overtime, and that was a Derrick Henry. We're just going to hand it off to you, hand it off to you. It's too late in the game. The Texans can't tackle Derrick Henry. So I think I think when you come to threat, this week 
If the Colts beat the Titans, though, do you still feel the same way? Who the Jags have this week? Uh, I know they're going into a a somewhat challenging uh, spot on their schedule. Now they got past the Chargers, and that was an impressive win, uh, beating the Chargers by twenty at Philly. At Philly, so that'll be you know really interesting too. So at Philly uh, is going to be tough, and you know Justin Herbert's injury puts a little bit of a do I believe the Jags were really 38 to 10 over the Chargers or is that just a situation where they got on that game? Um, so yeah, Jags I think at- if, look, the, the Jags are not 38 or 28 points better than the Chargers. Justin Herbert, obviously with his rib injury and defensively the, the Jags played very well. They took advantage of that. Yeah. And so, you know, is that a true result that we can like base our future, uh, you know, guesses or predictions about, I don't know. I, I may, if they do something against the Philadelphia Eagles, then okay. Then that, then that chargers win really means something. So, um, you know, again, they're both threats to the Titans in the AFC South. I just think the Jags right now are more stable with their offense and their defense. The Colts defense is the best thing they have for them because their offense has been that stagnant. I mean, Matt yeah. Ryan's been sacked at an average of four times a game. I don't know how much better Matt Ryan can get. I think Trevor Lawrence can get a lot better. I think that's my final answer. And and quarterbacks influence outcomes. And so if you're going to sit here for the rest of the season, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to improve. And I think Matt Ryan, the probability, and this is what the Colts have struggled with, right? Their quarterbacks have low ceilings whether it's Carson Wentz, whether it's Jacoby Brissett, whether it's Phillip Rivers. Over the last several years, those guys just can't bust through. Ryan Tannehill has a ceiling himself, right? I think it's higher than Matt Ryan, Jacoby Brissett, and a like Phillip Rivers' ceiling was just good. It wasn't really – and he was good that last year. I think he established that by leading him to the playoffs. But I think for, for, for Tannehill – he could be a little bit better than that. The Colts ceiling at quarterback as just it has a ceiling. And yeah, you can't well, bust through that. And Nav says Matt Ryan has seven fumbles. Well, no, he has three fumbles. <laughs> Not seven. He has three fumbles, but he's only lost one. So Matt Ryan uh through three games has four interceptions and one lost fumble uh for the for the Colts. That's five turnovers just and, and three touchdowns. Overall, I mean, they've only scored 40 points uh, in three games this year. So they have a quick, lot of issues. Quick heat check real quick. It's Wednesday going okay. into the Titans-Colts matchup. Is this, I mean, it's obviously a massive game early in the season. And notoriously, the Titans play the Colts early in the season. And it's season-defining a lot of the times, right? Because you look back and you're in week 14, 15, and you're like, Damn, they beat the Colts. That was that was huge. Do you feel kind of the same way? Do you feel like the two teams are even? Is there an upper hand? What's your heat check heading into this week? I feel like both teams are desperate for this win. Like equally. Both teams equally desperate for this win, which is going to make for an interesting game. I, I, I honestly, it's look, it's Wednesday morning. There has been zero injury reports for either team. Uh, you know, Shaq, Darius Leonard, whatever the hell he wants to call himself now. Uh, changes his name. He is likely to play uh, this week for the first time. So I, you know, 
I it's gonna be a you have to pull out all the stops to win this game. And this Terrence Mitchell play, this Caleb Foley play, this Traylon Burks, Robert Woods make plays on offense. Does Derrick Henry uh, return to that stadium where he broke his foot and get redemption on that turf? I, I don't know, uh, but it's gonna be a good game. My question of how I feel. Do both teams' tendencies stay true? The Titans start very hot. The Colts start very cold. If you look at their three games, is that going to stay the same? Are the Titans going to get a lead? Because that's what the Titans want. They want to they play with the lead because usually Derrick Henry helps them in the second half. That wasn't necessarily the case against the Raiders. But uh, that, I think, is probably the defining thing is do the tendencies of these two teams over the last three games stay the same or do they change? Yeah, interesting. Uh, I do see Howard on YouTube says, I hope to see Austin and Zach here in Indy come tailgate with you. Well, we will not be tailgating. We will be doing our Titan game day live show, our pregame halftime and postgame show. Like he can do. tailgate with us. Yeah, I mean, you can you can turn us on there, Howard, at your tailgate because we go live on a pregame 30 minutes before every uh, Titans kickoff. Uh, this season, then have halftime reaction and also our post game show on these uh, same YouTube and Facebook and Twitch channels that we're talking about. What's up? Real quick, Eric brings up Racy McMath. That's a rule change this year for IR. So it's not three games like it was last year, it's four games. And yes. I, I like how the NFL did that. Uh, and it, it and means more. I mean, you are one now. Game you're now limited to only eight players that you can bring back off of IR where last year you could bring as many players off IR as you damn well wanted to. So Racy McMath, Monty Rice, Elijah Molden are all eligible to return from IR against Washington. It doesn't mean they will. It just means that they are now eligible to, depending on their injury, just because they can, just because they're eligible and it's been their four games doesn't mean they're physically ready to do it. Yeah. That's going to come down at the end of the season. Oh yeah. That's going to get dicey at the end of the season when maybe a premier player goes on IR for four weeks, he's going to come back, you know, second last week to the season. You've already elevated seven guys and now you got to pick. Well, history, history uh, lesson, if you go back to 2019, why the Wincombe Malcolm Butler come off IR thing became such a big deal uh, in Buck Rising's Twitter mentions that year is because at that, that was pre-COVID, right? You can only have two guys come off IR uh, in that season, but it was an eight-week IR, not a four-week or three-week IR. And the Titans used that on, I think, Josh Kalou and Ryan Suckup that year. And so they brought those guys back off IR after eight weeks. And uh, and Malcolm Butler broke his wrist against the Panthers in week seven or eight. And so he could have come back if he was healthy enough, but he was out there catching passes pregame with a broken wrist recovered. So, But he couldn't do it at that point. That's what makes the NFL great is the NFL, look, the Pro Bowl, it's probably taken them a lot long, lot longer than they needed to to change that damn Pro Bowl. They finally did that. But they it took a pandemic for them to figure this, this out, but they're finding their right temperature, right? Last year, three games and anybody, right, the gates are open, is probably not the right strategy because teams are going to take advantage of it. Now they regulated a little bit more. I like the four-week. It's a, you know, it's simple kind of like a quarter of the season and 
you got to make tough decisions at the end of the year, and you have to play that game. Austin, the Titans wouldn't have survived last year with the rules this year. Like, they, I thought, played – that was a John Robinson. That was a golf clap for John Robinson last year of how he, you know, finessed the roster to get them to where they ended up at the end of the season, which was the number one team in the AFC. All right, A to Z Sports Live on this Wednesday. We've talked 35 minutes about the AFC South. Now let's go back and focus on the Titans. What's one thing about the Titans that keeps you confident in their ability to win the AFC South? What's one thing uh, that uh, the, about the Titans that keeps you confident in their ability to win the AFC South? But Zach, tell everybody about Wilson County Hyundai. Yeah, Wilson County Hyundai is where you need to go to get your next ride. The perfect make and model is right around the corner. Quick trip down I-40, exit 236. Payne Bone, who owns Wilson County Hyundai, it's family-owned and operated, will hook you up with a great deal at a great price with great fuel efficiency. That is what their fleet has. It could be the Palisade, which is a full-size SUV with third-row seating and all the bells and whistles. It could be a four-door sedan like the Sonata, that I love, I love the Sonata. You can dominate the streets with your brand-new Hyundai Sonata. They also have the Elantra, the Santa Fe, the Tucson, and the Ionic. The Ionic is battery-powered. It is not fuel efficiency because it's not fuel efficient because it doesn't need any fuel. It's all battery-powered. They can order one today at wilsoncountyhyundai.com. Don't forget, download the BetMGM app. And if you do it, use our code ATOZ Sports because that means you get a risk free bet on pro football up to $1,000 with your first bet. So if you're going to join the BetMGM family like Zach and I, uh, then you got to make sure you do it the right way. That's with promo code ATOZ Sports and you get a risk free bet up to $1,000 on pro football with your first bet. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 or older, Tennessee only new customer offer. All promotions, subject qualifications, and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as knowledge of free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days. For problem game support, call Tennessee Redline 800-889-9789. Zach, we asked the question. I'll send you to the chat again. What's the one thing about the Titans that keeps you confident in their ability to win the AFC South after a one and two start to the year? Mark Jones says Mike Vrabel. Nav says Derrick Henry. Uh, Karen is enjoying the show, as are we. Uh, Sean says Derrick Henry. Uh, play action passing from John. All right. Little Kilo says Derrick Henry. Mike Vrabel from Noah. Vrabel Scott. Daddy Vrabel from Stephen. Mike Vrabel from uh, uh, Isaac. Derrick Henry uh, from uh, – and this is a tough one. R3KT. 3E. He watches the show. I've seen it before. But man, does it mess me up because I just want to call you Rick Richter. I'm going to just call you Richter from now on. Uh, Steven says Derek Henry. Mike Vrabel from Jake. Uh, Aside says Mike Vrabel. Outside zones from MF Loco. <laughs> Zach says Vrabel. Derek Henry from Roy. Lou Man goes with Randy. Uh, little Randy Bullock right there. Jason says crappy division. George Ooh. says Jeff Simmons. Henry slash Byard from Nate. The other team's losing from our guy Valentino. Ditching the pitch from Danny. Jay is Ditch still thinking. The pitch. <laughs> right? And they did that and they won their game. Uh, the now, division, how long will they ditch? Will they continue to ditch the pitch? Or was that just a one-game thing? I, I don't think – I think that they will – the premise of ditch the pitch will stay premise – 
they will pitch in deuce toss sweeps because Derek Henry has had big runs before on them. They just got too reliant on them. I mean, he has had them before in the history of Derek Henry. There has been a run where a sweep has gone for a big game. You you cannot on, say that on a straight up like toss, like Ryan Tannehill reverses out and tosses the ball to Derek Henry. There's yes, a difference. It, because I'm not saying the percentages are high, but that it has had been successful at one point. So they used it too much. We've established that. I liked the way that they ran Derrick Henry against the Raiders. They need to use that philosophy. Okay. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's he- uh, health, I saw those. So here is mine, and not a single one has, has brought this up. My biggest question mark was pretty obvious going into the season. And that was the offense. Was the the offense was going to be different because AJ Brown, Julio Jones was gone. Were gone. Julio Jones didn't do much. Robert Wood showed me this past weekend that he has the capabilities of making some big, big plays. My answer is Robert Woods. I was really impressed with what he could do with his routes, with his yak with his catching ability, with his reliability. And I think that I hope within this offense, and you would think that Ryan Tannehill is just going to become more comfortable with throwing number two the football. This team is only going to go as far as its passing game. It's a passing league, guys. They're a running football team, and Derrick Henry can win you some games. But we saw in their AFC Championship run, They ran the ball very well against the New England Patriots. Win. They ran the ball very well against the Baltimore Ravens. Win. They did not run the ball as well as they needed to against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. And ultimately, it came down to throwing the football. Ultimately, they could not do that very well. And so I do think that that will prevent them from winning a Super Bowl. But Robert Woods, I liked what I saw. So I'm going to go Robert Woods. All right, Nick Ewing, who makes some crazy comments from time, but he says Woods wasn't letting the Titans go to 0-3. He showed leadership and backed it up. And then Jody says, stop using Woods in the punting game. Like, Jody, did, are you blind? Did you just not watch either any of the three games with the muffed punts from Phillips and Amani Hooker in the first two? And then Robert Woods comes in, catches punts, and then sets up a 21-yard return to set up a – end of half field goal opportunity. Well, I mean, come on. I think they're, they're probably saying what you were saying about, uh, no, I guess I was saying this about Adoree Jackson, right? Is the value of what he was. I think you, you actually, you were saying that the value of what Robert Woods brings. The problem is they have a massive issue at punt returner. And yeah. it has been proven that guys that don't have the skill set and the experience like Robert Woods, they can't do it. Amani Hooker was their backup. It was their safety net. And he came in there and muffed it. Right. Muff punts and, can kill games and kill yes, teams. Yes, we've seen it happen to the Titans a lot. And and uh, Jody says he's going to get hurt. It's risky. Look, ideally, you don't want Robert Woods to return punts because you want somebody less important in the offense to do it. But when, it, when that person is muffing punts, and also, remember, Kyle Phillips was out. He did not play against the Raiders. So the Titans on your, you think he should get another opportunity. I think he should. And I think he will like, uh, yes, I I do think he will. Um, 
I don't know when that's going to be because I, I don't know yeah, what his shoulder I don't injury. Th- I don't think he should. I think I think he screwed. Look, fool me once, he, don't fool me twice. And I think he, he should. He got fooled both times. I think he should, but after the shoulder injury is recovered, like so, if the shoulder thing is going to be a thing this entire season, don't put him back there. But. But he was asked about that, Austin, and he said the shoulder had nothing to do with it. Yeah, and Cairo Santos said he could have made the 57-yard field goal at the end of the Bills game in 2019, and Vrabel still put him out there, and he couldn't do it, obviously. Like, players are always going to answer questions like that. Like, that but he th- said that's, it was mental. Like, I, you'd rather I, tell him. I. The smarter thing to do would be to say, yeah, my shoulder probably messed me up on that catch. Not well, but mentally, again, that, I'm psyched out. <laughs> players are programmed to, and he wasn't mentally I'm psyched out. It was mental that he didn't read the punt correctly. It wasn't mentally That's I had worse. the gifts. No, I, I just, I think Men, you're making. Being mentally not prepared is worse than no, uh, physically Zach, uh, hurt. Zach, you're making it, you're making him saying it was a mental thing, not a physical thing, as in he was mentally not prepared. You're taking the the mental word too far. I believe in the situation. He made a mental error. It wasn't a, Twice. it wasn't. Yeah. And, and again, but, and that Craig Aukerman talked about uh, in detail, I guess it was last Thursday about how there's so many different things that go into returning punts, right-footed kicker versus left-footed kicker, how the ball is going to turn, where the nose is, and all that thing, where Kyle Phillips, you know, is is still young in that uh, skill set. It just, it's a, it's not easy. Like, people think catching punts is easy. And so I'm seeing people saying, put Roger McCurry back there. Why? Uh, put Kyle Haskins back there, somebody says. Why? Because... I put Caleb Farley back there. If he can do it, if that's the time he's going to get to play, put Caleb Farley back there. Damn, he's not going to play. Serious? <laughs> I'm you serious. Uh, I mean, I'm throwing things out, but uh, my point is, is that Kyle Phillips did it twice, and they were both mental errors, and that is a massive part of returning punts. And I would. That's why Robert Woods. I'm not sitting here beating down the door saying, "What are you doing, putting a veteran back there?" I think they have to because they have to overcorrect. Like it, they've muffed three punts, not two. It must yes. three, not one, but three. So three like, and two they've had to overcompensate with this problem within yeah. their team. Yeah. yeah. Look, the guys who were returning punts in training camp were Kyle Phillips, uh, uh, Kyle Phillips, Amani Hooker, Traylon Burks, then guys you cut like Mason Kinsey, uh, Terry Godwin, uh, Brandon Lewis, and Reggie Robertson. Those were the guys returning punts all throughout training camp. Robert Woods could do it because he's Robert Woods. He's 30 years old. He's been in the league for a long time. He just knows how to catch punts. He's, he does that all the time, just on his own. But like Traylon Burks, for everybody who's calling out for Traylon Burks to return punts, you didn't watch him return punts in training camp. Catching punts off the jugs was harder for Traylon Burks than the others. So why do you think he can catch it off of a player's foot? He, Traylon Burks catches punts with his hands. That's not how you're supposed to do it. That's a terrible, that's the easiest way to muff a punt is to try to catch it with your hands. And so that's, it's it needs to be Robert Woods until Kyle Phillips' shoulder heals completely. That's how I think about it. Well, the, the premise is no one cares. Like, 
you got you have to do your job and that job is so impactful to the game if a mistake is made right like that's the difference of what a punt returner represents look mark mariani i mean he is the notorious titan he is reliable he had some great punt returns but when he was back there you didn't feel like you were standing on shaky ground and right right now like that's what Robert Woods brings to the team. I don't know if they're going to give Kyle Phillips another shot because Austin, now you've, you got two strikes, right? A third strike, you're done for your career. You're not going to be returning punts in the NFL. So like I, 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 nobody's disagreeing and the Titans with that. don't have the luxury. They're one and two. Yeah, and, and no, again, and Mike Vrabel was asked about uh, about Kyle Phillips, and he said yeah, I, he would like to give him more opportunity because you saw what he did earlier in the game where he had a 46-yard punt return. So that's he's got really good ability to return punts. He's muffed to, and he's got a shoulder injury, so he should not be back there until he is fully healthy. Again, that's how I think it because you're you're one of the most vulnerable positions you can play in football is a punt returner, right? Because you're having to track a football and keep your eyes up and down on the players. You're vulnerable there to get hit. And so with a guy who has a shoulder injury and you're trying to catch with your catching punts has to do with your shoulders, right? Keeping your elbows in and all that stable and ready to go. He should not feel another punt in a game until that shoulder's good to go. And so until then, was- Robert Woods got to do it. What keeps you confident in the Titans' ability to win the South? I don't believe you've so, answered yet. Yeah, and, and I, I'm going to take this into a bigger conversation because I, I do think um, we haven't really touched on it much. But for, uh, before I answer my uh, with my answer, I'm going to tell you guys about the Bone and Joint Institute, boneandjointtn.org, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. Whenever you get hurt in life, maybe like Cal Phillips, you got a bump shoulder, go to the Bone and Joint Institute and they can take care of it. If surgery is needed, they've got you covered. If physical therapy is needed, they've got you covered. And Franklin, uh, with their main campus, also satellite studios and campuses in Brentwood uh, and Thompson Station and in Nolensville, boneandjointtn.org. A to Z Sports, powered by Bet MGM, download the app today. They're the king of the sports book. Use the promo code ATOZ Sports, all one word in the promo code tab, and you will get a risk free bet up to $1,000 for new users. Go to your Apple or Android app store and download the app today. We're, we're hooking you up with that promo code ATOZ Sports. All right. So, what keeps me the most confident in the Titans' ability to still win the AFC South is what we saw on Sunday against the Raiders from Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is still Derrick Henry. He's tough to tackle. He's still elusive in the open field, and he can get going when the blocking is halfway adequate. He can't get going when he's having to get and getting hit three yards in the backfield every time. That's something that no running back besides maybe Barry Sanders can get away with. But Derrick Henry is still Derrick Henry. And I feel confident in the Titans being able to ride their best player and use him because what he does is establish the run, which creates play action passes. And Ryan Tannehill rarely makes those awful mistakes off of play action passes. Rarely are his interceptions off of play action. 
Most of Tannehill's interceptions are off of straight dropbacks, miscommunications, bad reads, bad throws, etc. But Derrick Henry being the focal point gives me confidence because I I I have rules in football. Like it's the chief the AFC West is the Chiefs division until it's proven otherwise. The Jags can't stop Derrick Henry until I see the Jags stop Derrick Henry. And it's been a long, long time since Derrick Henry has been stopped by the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Jags have been able to beat the Titans. So that's where I feel the best about this is Derrick Henry's still that guy and he'll be able to get you in games and win you in games uh, throughout the season. Well, they need him more than ever on Sunday in Indy. Uh, that This needs to be the Kings game that comes out and – you know, separates them and gets them to 500 and gets them a divisional win against, uh, you know, an arch rival to set the tone for the season because you look on the other side of that, you're then at Washington, very winnable game and your season. That's why I said, and we also, we both said this, 0-2, none of us truly panicked. Now there was some big time concern, right? Because you're 0-2 and you, you just kind of, you pissed the Giants game away and mm-hmm. the Bills game you were never in after the midway through the second quarter. I never once thought that the Titans were dead because they still had the Raiders and the Colts. And if you get the Raiders and the Colts and then the Commanders, essentially, you could flip your season and now you're three and two with a divisional win and you're not looking that bad, right? Yeah. Like, you're you're not you're actually looking pretty good because the Jags are gonna have to play the Eagles this week. They're undefeated. That's gonna be a tough game for him. And you're kind of settled back in atop the divisional race. So now I will sing a different tune if they lose to the Colts because you're now one in three, and now the commanders game in Washington turns to a must win because you cannot go one in four. One in four, you're dead. One in four, you're not going to make it. I I just truly believe that you're not going to make the playoffs. So you've got to avoid that. You know, we'll talk about this on our pregame, halftime, and postgame show, but especially our pregame show. You know, is this is this a must-win game, right? Because of what go is it too early in the season? Like, what does this represent? We'll we'll go through all those storylines, but this is really a swing for the early part of the season for the Tennessee Titans to right their ways and settle into who they want to be. We talk a lot about identity. Games games four, five, and six is usually when you find a singular team's identity for the season because the Titans have seen adversity, they've failed against adversity, and they've succeeded against adversity. And then they got a couple more games to really truly find out who they are I'm I'm really excited for this game on Sunday. It's got to be a Derrick Henry type tone setter for the season, uh, but massive game in Indianapolis. Yeah, so I'm going to go through Zach and you know Derrick Henry. If I take out the game where he broke his foot against the Colts last year, where he had like 20 plus carries after the broken foot, Derrick Henry's last eight divisional games, right two. Pre, before the broken foot last year and six in 2020 he's run for over a hundred yards uh in seven of those eight divisional games seven of those eight the only time he did not was 
the first game against the Jags when they beat Gardner Minshew 33-30. And then he put 215 on the Jags later on uh, that same season. He's had mul- he's had three 200-plus yard divisional games uh, in those eight divisional games too. So Derrick Henry does really, really well against divisional opponents when his foot's not broken. And so, you know, as long as his foot stays intact in Lucas Oil Stadium uh, coming up on Sunday, I expect him to have a strong game too. Well, and look, I think I think the Colts are probably going to have to sell out to try to stop them. That's where that's when your offense starts to move. That, as you said, that's where Ryan Tannehill is really, really good. Is when the defense is king on something instead of playing stand pat defense or playing to a offense's weakness. And so uh, this is a cat and mouse game. Man, it's only Wednesday. I, I want this thing to be here. I'm ready. I know, right? All right. So let's do it. Let's throw shade on a Wednesday because we always throw shade at the end of the shows on Wednesday. But first, Zach, tell everybody about Farm Bureau Health Plans. Yeah, fbhp.com. You got to go there to change your health plan. I changed my health plan at the beginning of this season and this year. Oh, man, uh, it, it was a great decision. It was one of the best decisions that I've made for, for my health and my plan and my pocketbook, to be honest. The last several years, I honestly had had crap-ass health plan. It had been bad. It not good. And my eyes opened to what a health plan should be when I joined Farm Bureau Health Plans. I get free teeth cleanings. I get an allowance for my contacts because I've been wearing contacts since I've been in seventh grade. I get great benefits like free teledoc uh, conferences when I'm sick. You know, that's the new way of the world. You don't necessarily have to go into a doctor's office and wait and then sign in and do you can go to a teledoc conference that helped me when I had the flu this past spring and Farm Bureau Health Plans has helped me in numerous ways, better service, better rates. They've got you covered and there's 200 plus locations across the state of Tennessee. So a real big benefit for Tennesseans alike. They've been doing it for 75 years. That's fbhp.com slash A-T-O-Z. That's fbhp.com slash A-T-O-Z. They'll hook you up with a quote, and then you can make your decision yourself. All right, don't forget, download the BetMGM app. Use our code ATOZ Sports, and you easily get a risk-free bet up to $1,000 on pro football after your first deposit. So do that now with the BetMGM app, code ATOZ Sports. Time to throw some shade. Shade on a Wednesday. That is uh, what we do every Wednesday. I see some shade here. Ryan says shade um, on Terrence Mitchell almost blowing the Raiders game on Sunday. Brent says throwing shade at second half. Titans outscored 57-7 to in the second half in three games this season. Uh, Eric says shade on people that walk on the street when there's a nice, beautiful sidewalk right next to them. Yeah, that, that doesn't make sense. The only My only thing that I understand is Eric – if it's a jogger who is jogging on the street rather than the sidewalk, I give them a pass because asphalt is what the uh, street is made out of. It is way more forgiving on knees and joints than concrete sidewalks. So if it's a jogger, give them a pass. If it's a walker, that's stupid. 
Yeah, the tough ones are bikers too, like not like uh motorcyclists, well, but do you know regular where, do bikers. Do you know where bikers are supposed to be? Where? The street. Yeah, but it, it's a tough scene when you're in a situation and there's multiple bikers and you can't pass them because they're not going the speed limit, right? Like obviously they're not going the speed limit. So like that that is a frustrating situation where you're sitting there like get the hell out of the road. Right, but that's I feel like everybody's to. been in that situation. Yeah, but bikers bikers on the sidewalks are dangerous to the pedestrians. So it you know doesn't mean that I can't get frustrated to get off the street. Yeah, Charlie says uh, my shade is when I respond on here, my comments get overlooked. Look, Charlie, uh, no, nothing. <laughs> Charlie, personal. Uh, well, you, you just lost that. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, again, like we never overlook certain people's comments. Like we just get over a thousand comments a day. Sometimes it's just hard to, to see everything. Yeah, uh, full disclosure. We do not pick and choose the comments. I go, and like the love of the show, I give out, and there hasn't been a love of the show yet because there hadn't been a good enough comment because I don't pick it, right? Like it comes, it just organically happens. So that's to clarify. And you're, and Charlie, thank you for saying your shade. And we, I think, clarified ours with yeah, that. So, uh, oh, Aaron, Aaron's had one. Shade okay. on NASA and SpaceX for moving the date of the upcoming Crew 5 launch, now scheduled for October 4th. My question to Aaron, who I know is a big NASA guy, is you know, did, were, did you get the binoculars out or the telescope out to see Jupiter and the four moons? And did you know that one of those four moons is the most volcanic moon of all moons? Which that's, moon is that, Zach? You remember the moon? That's Io. Yeah, you got it. Io. Uh I'm seeing a lot of shade on uh, Hurricane uh, Ian coming through uh, up towards Florida right now, and that's changing some things. Zach, I've got uh, two shades, so I'll do a shade sandwich. My first shade is not that serious, but why in the world would Tennessee at LSU get scheduled for an 11 a.m. Central kickoff? Why in the world would you do that? LSU is great at night. We all know that every college football fan knows that Death Valley is an incredible atmosphere at night. And you've got a top 10 resurgent Tennessee program coming off a of bye week going to Baton Rouge and you put it at 11 a.m. Central time. Like Baton Rouge is in Central time. This isn't like an Eastern time zone team playing at noon. It's like an 11 a.m. Central kickoff for what I think is going to be a top 25 matchup because LSU should wax Auburn this upcoming weekend. So why would you, and then you're putting Georgia and Auburn on CBS. Like nobody's going to watch Georgia beat Auburn by 30 points next Saturday. They would rather watch Tennessee play LSU at least as a two 30 kickoff, but an 11 AM kickoff is stupid for that game. They're doing the same thing. For Ole Miss, who's 14, and Kentucky, who's 7, at 11 a.m. Now, you may sit there and say, nobody cares about those teams, which I can completely understand. But the fact of the matter is, that's a top 15 matchup, back-to-back, -back, and that's at 11 a.m. Well, and so I, I do understand. I do understand that both ESPN and Fox are putting higher priority on that early kickoff. Because, you know, you have college Yeah, they're competing. Yeah, because, you know, you had the, the pregame shows and then you walk into a dud game. Everybody's like, all right, you want to lead into something good. 
I will say the Texas Alabama game was phenomenal to start my day that day. And that like I don't know when the last time Alabama has played a top 10 game at 11 a.m. ever. Well, and that was and that was like the most viewed uh game of college regular season college football game in like history or something. But that was great. Like I actually really liked that. So I you know, I like the 11 a.m. games that I'm not attending, right? Then I'm yes. going to watch in the comfort of my own home or I'm going to go grab some brunch or lunch and watch these games starting at 11, drink a Bloody Mary, and not have to worry. But if I'm in Oxford and I'm on the square on Friday and I got to get my happy ass up at 7, 8, 9 a.m. to go tailgate before the game, that, that really makes it tough on fans. Yeah, uh, Dwayne says nobody watches UT. Yes, Dwayne, a lot of people watch UT. In fact, in the same weekend that Alabama and Texas was there, uh, the second highest viewed college football game that weekend uh, was Tennessee Pitt. So yes, people watch Tennessee, uh, and Tennessee draws big ratings, and they just do, especially when they're playing this well, and they're playing at LSU. Like, this isn't like, like Kentucky and Ole Miss, they're smaller branded programs. LSU is not, I'm not saying they're down, but the loss at the beginning of the season really hurt. Hurts. It hurt their momentum. Like, and the perception of what LSU is. All right, Zach, what's your shade? My shade is something I experienced this past weekend. I was in Virginia Beach for a wedding, and I'd never been to Virginia Beach. Um, You know, cool little, it's kind of like a beach town. It's kind of random. But we're looking for places to eat. My shade is on restaurants that don't have websites. I ran into that like three times. All they have is their (laughs) Facebook page. Like find some sort of money, and it wasn't just one, find some sort of money to create a website so I can look at your menu to see if you're worthy of my taste buds at that point and that juncture in time. But like, don't be cheap where you just have a Facebook page. And, like, I don't even know where a menu is on a Facebook page. So be a little bit diverse and care more about your company. And, look, I don't know whether it was just, like, a little beach beach town thing, but, like, that that was frustrating. So yeah. I didn't pick the restaurant because we're in information overload, right? I need to know what the menu is in those type of situations before I go. If it's a very nice restaurant, we have reservations and somebody has invited, you know, me and my fiance is a couple or whatever, I will go in there blind because I like the excitement of the actual menu. But when you're trying, you get a group of people and you're the one deciding, that's a lot of pressure on one person. I hate, I hate picking food for other people. Drives, that's like, that's anxiety. I can't stand that. And I will say it it worked out in my favor because I was in charge. And I like being in charge of that just because that's my personality. Really? I'll make the decision. <laughs> I'll make the decision. And it was it was one of the best meals we had all weekend. <laughs> so it worked out. But avoid restaurants that don't have websites with no menus. Well, I, I do think shit. it's a I do think it could be a beach thing because I when my wife and I went on our vacation to the beach this summer, you see a lot of those with those mom and pop beach kind of shack like beachside uh restaurants who could be great. Like they, they could be great. They just don't do the internet, but they do food really really well. But yeah, pay a little bit because I came across a lot of the menus posted online that was somebody took a picture with their phone of the actual physical menu and uploaded it online. Right. Right. 
Uh, here's yeah, quick I, shade. Uh, here's quick shade. And this, I, and I, I struggle with this. And uh, you know, thankfully, this will you know be just for a short period of time. But J. Rome asks, is, "Did I say fiance? When did this happen?" It, well, I yeah, I got engaged at the beginning of July, and I can say this because she's not at home. But what does make me like uncomfortable that I do not like? I don't like the word fiance. Like I am not like I don't like saying fiance. I but I can't say girlfriend. Like I I look wife makes sense, right? But fiance, I, you know, I just it, it, it's like I'm. It's like I'm trying to like reel you in on something to like ask more about that. And I don't need that, those questions. So my side shade is on the word fiance of having to say fiance when you're engaged. And that's the only word to say because you can't say girlfriend and you can't say wife. It is fiance. I just don't like the word. And that hopefully will be, I won't have to say that on air anymore. Well, yeah. And, and, um, yeah, Nick's right. It sounds pretentious. Oh, like it does. It sounds Don't ask like, me about uh, it. Like, oh, well, congratulations, man. That's so great. Like, no, I was just trying to tell you the story of what situation I was in, that who I was with, not necessarily that I just recently got engaged. Yes, yes, because fiance sounds like you're fishing for a compliment, right? But you're not. You're just trying again. You're trying to. You're yeah. I'm with you. And yeah. Alex Tony just, says, just call your fiance your ex girlfriend. They love it. <laughs> <laughs> and well, you can't say, you, like, you can't say like these days. You can't say partner or business. Or, like, like we are business partners, but we're not like partner partners. And then you can't say significant other because that could be a, like you're trying to give respect to the level of commitment that you've made to the person, right? Right. And I, I that happened to me. I was at a I was at a restaurant and was talking to a hostess, and I was like, yeah. And I don't know why I said this, but like I said it like partner, not like partner, but like yeah, I'm waiting on my partner. And it was one of my buddies' male friend, but I was like, oh well, and not like there's anything wrong with that, but like. That's not what I was trying to say, but you 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 have to call them like it is, right? Like yeah. the the and here's another thing, like the beginning of a relationship, and I remember being on the phone with somebody and my now fiance, then girlfriend, but we weren't like girlfriend yet. They were asking who where we were going and who I was with, and you can't say yeah, I'm with my friend, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm with a, a female companion. You can't say female companion. So I said, girlfriend, and we actually recently talked about that. That was when she was like, because I never really asked her, like, will you be my girlfriend? I, that's just not kind of how yeah, this I work. This is but freshman year of high school. That was the moment because I was forced into a situation kind of like earlier in like five minutes ago of saying what you are within the realm of society and life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh <laughs> uh nb says you could say uh how about pre-wife that's that sounds um like forceful like i, I don't know like pre-wife doesn't sound right either uh yeah. so anyway all right so here's that was here's a side rant shade. sorry no no i think it's funny uh here is my actual shade is that on saturday uh busting with the boys put out that worse you know bad news the boy Lawan's out for the year with a knee injury, right? 
Um, and Buck Rising at A to Z Sports have reported that earlier in the week on Tuesday that Luan was feared to be lost for the season with a knee injury. So then Saturday after Bustin' with the Boys comes out and confirms that, the NFL puts this tweet out. Titans Taylor Luan knee out for the season via rap sheet. No, no, no. Ian Rappaport had nothing to do with anything that happened about Taylor Lewan. So my shade, Zach, is on ESPN and the NFL Network for always funneling and giving credit to their people for things that they did not do. They're all, it drives me up the wall. It's, I wouldn't have had an issue if the NFL said per Taylor One's podcast. I wouldn't have been like, oh no, where's Buck's credit? Where's any of these credit? I wouldn't have cared. But the fact that they made it, Ian Rappaport did this. No, he did nothing. Ian Rappaport did not do anything when it came to that besides quote tweet, busting with the boys tweet. This is incorrect. The NFL network just credits Ian Rappaport for everything. Just like they do Tom Pelissero and just like ESPN does with Adam Schefter. It's not correct. It's misleading. It's lying to the audience. It's a business decision. Right. They're trying to create their guys and pump them up. It's a strategy. Just like busting with the boys is a strategy, right? Is you break your own news instead of somebody else breaking it, right? And busting with the boys, it's a strategy to get more followers, to get more sure. podcast listeners, to make more money. I like I get the game. We're in the game. I get it. But it is frustrating to see. I, I think that's your shade, right? Is the frustration of looking and saying, well, that's not how any of this went. No, <laughs> that's not how that works. It's it. And so I view like Tom Pelissero. I don't have anything personal against Tom Pelissero. I'm sure he's a hardworking guy and does a good job. But Tom Pelissero was chosen by the NFL to be the guy, just like the WWE chooses who's going to win the belt. It's, it's the same thing. <laughs> that's a pretty good analogy. It, that's what it is. Like the WWE sits down and writes the script for the year. Right. And they're going to say, look, whatever happens in the ring. Yeah. That's real action and real injuries happen and all that stuff. But they write what the screenplay is going to be. NFL network said, all right, we've got an Ian Rapport. We need this other person to rise up. So let's just create Tom Pelissero and have him win the belt. That's what that is. Here's a little wrestling knowledge based on that. Do you know what the wrestling lingo is? And I know you don't because you don't know any wrestling. And I'm not even either. Actually, Dwayne The Rock Johnson taught me this. Our future president <laughs> is, do you know what they call the bad guy and the good guy in wrestling when they're writing these scripts? Well, I know, I know the bad guy is the heel. The heel, correct. Do you know what the good guy is called? Hero? No, I, I don't know the good guy. I knew the heel. The heel was the uh, baby. David, face. ding, 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 ding. Baby face. They call him the baby face. That's Dwayne the Rock Johnson taught me that in you know some bio. I, the biography, the wrestling biographies on the Biography Channel. I think it's maybe on A and E. Really good. Like you don't have to write watch wrestling to enjoy those, but I I do. I see the analogy of like the NFL decides. <laughs> Pelissero, the people's champ. <laughs> <laughs> if you smell. 
And again, nothing against Tom Pelissero. He's probably a good, I, 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 nothing about it. But the, the NFL chose that he was the guy. Like he, This is the NFL choosing guy who is going to be the next news-breaking reporter, Tom Pelissero. Welcome, everybody. This is Tom. That's just how it works. All right, that's enough for today. We'll wrap up this Wednesday show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, what if we we'll just see. did a we did a podcast that had nothing to do with sports? Like that was a good. I don't know, even know 14, 15, 16 minutes. I don't know what it is, but that was a good. I mean, we we bounced from a lot of different things, and I thought that was a pretty good segment. I, we're we're not going to change, so don't don't worry. Don't don't. But freak out. that was good talk right there. A lot of topics. Don't forget, subscribe to us on YouTube. Catch us there. Uh, Titans have practice today. They have locker room availability today. Sam Phelan will be there uh, to give you inside the locker room access to the Titans on our YouTube channel. And uh, as always, uh, Buck Rising live tonight for A to Z Sports primetime at 8 on these same channels. And we will see you guys tomorrow morning on a Thursday. Talk to you then. Appreciate it as always. And that's the bottom line.